The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. All right, welcome into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here, your boy Al. What's up, man? I'm excited to be here, Steve. You having a good yeah, week? Dude. Oh, man, me too. Yeah, busy, 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 busy. All, all good things, but uh, yeah. You're not, you're not pulling your hair out over the busyness, though, are you? Well, it's falling. <laughs> so, so, not pulling it out, but it is uh, leaving, nevertheless. So, anyway. nothing you can do about that. Yeah. So, speaking of great stories, uh, what we're going <laughs> to do is talk about completing the story, for goodness yeah. sake. Or actually, when people don't complete the story and maybe how that's either a good thing or a bad thing or it drives us nuts or, or, or what. What got you thinking about this topic? Yeah, I actually don't know if it just hit me randomly or if I was thinking about something. I it was, was the reading. Holy Spirit, right? It was the, it just, it just, it just zapped it just, God it. wanted that to happen. It just, it just yeah, wanted for it sure. to come about. Um, but I just was thinking today about topics and I was thinking about character art and just kind of side stories and it just hit me of how frustrated i've been in the past where typically i find it in tv shows maybe because they have to rush to get stuff done but i see it in books too where you will have side characters that you enjoy or at the very least you kind of want to see how it plays out and then by the time the end of the movie comes and you're like okay you know they're gonna address the situation and they never do and now that i'm talking out loud one thing that has always really frustrated me is, have you, and I know you've been in this situation probably dozens of times, where a preacher starts preaching and he opens up with a story and never finishes that at the end. Uh, and I don't so know if awful. it's because he forgets or if, it, if that's just, or he just doesn't. And because yep. throughout the whole sermon, I don't know what the message is about. My Bible's been shut and I'm just like, and I'm lost. But not only with preachers, and uh, that probably irritated me the most, actually, whenever that situation has come up, and it's come up a few times, but also with stories, um, I'm just going to go ahead here and kind of list off my first example. Um, I, I kind of forget the books, and I'm finishing it up now, but I don't think in the books, but definitely the movies, you never really end up finding out at the end what happens with um, Harry's family that, quote unquote, raised him. Um, and it was always a weird thing because there was always tension between Harry and his family. And you would think that at the end of it, it would have some sort of resolution, where, whether it was definitely okay, like they're out of his life or they see each other on the holidays or whatever conclusion they came to. And that's never addressed. And it's, again, it's not like the, it's not the thing that determines whether Harry Potter is good or not, but it's just a little bit of a nuisance where you have that storyline that was focused on so much throughout the books. And then all of a sudden, it's just, it doesn't finish. There's no completion. There's no finality to it. Yeah, well, I'm severely disappointed now as a reader of only the first book. I mean, there was so much there, so much potential for something to finish. 
I know, right? And I, yeah. You might as well just not even finish the books. I might as well just hang it on the shelf, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A a good example, though, is Lord of the Rings. Um, The movie is somewhat, but especially the books, you have a pretty um, good, um, solid understanding of what happens to definitely all the main characters at the end of it. And it gives it this tone of finality where you're done. You don't think, man, I wish, you know, like he would have just done that or we could have figured out this. Obviously, you might want to read more token and wish that he would have written more sequels or whatever. But as far as the standalone Lord of the Rings books, you it definitely gives the characters their story arc and brings it to a completion, which is very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something, you know, psychological going on here. I, I think back to what you were mentioning about the preachers. And I was, as I was thinking about that, because my goodness, how many times have I been in that situation? Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's so funny because it can really either make or break like the whole thing. If you have a story that starts and then there's no resolution because a lot of times the story that starts out, especially in that context, something like a sermon is it's there to like set up a problem or to introduce a situation. And, you know, from that standpoint, I'm not saying that my favorite necessarily preaching is, are, are you know, is the, is the type that, it, you know, is wrapped up neatly with a bow with a story, but I do like it when that happens. And when the preacher, you know, is able to go back and bring you back to that, place and by the way not just a preacher that could be true with any sort of speaker um public speaker in any situation and um with fiction i think it's just important except i i think it's even like i remember you recommended a podcast to me about writing and i forget what it's called it has a green podcast uh artwork uh it's the one that brandon sanderson used yeah, to be writing excuses. With or, writing excuses maybe he still is involved with it. i'm not sure but I remember when you first uh, turned me on to that podcast, I started listening to it and they were sort of like either in the middle of a series or either they had just did it. And so I went back and found some of the episodes of that series and they were talking about um, what this looks like in a story. Like basically whenever you're going through and you create a new character or you introduce a new problem or a new scene, it's kind of like, um, like if, if anybody here does like listening to coding, it's kind of like opening up a new you know, a set of code, like with the, with the brackets. And then you have certain story that flows through there. And, you know, you have to sort of close those things in line. You have to close the brackets to, to, so that that code will execute before it moves down to the next thing. And, um, in stories, just like, just like your application or your website or whatever is going to be broken. If you don't close those loops, if you fail to close those loops in your stories, it seems like that's going to be a bad thing. That's a bug, right? That's a, it, it leaves, it leaves people wondering. And that's not necessarily a good thing. And for both of those things, it's noticeable. Whether it's a right. code that's, for instance, a code that's broken. I think video games, but it could be a website or anything where you notice, okay, this aspect is broken. And as the watcher of a show or a movie or a reader of a book, if you're invested at all, in in a character or a side story um it doesn't even necessarily have to be a specific character it could be a side story that's kind of happened with the main character like a mini kind of arc there um mm-hmm. if you put something in the reader's head and, and 
a whole other topic is about um, presenting promises to the reader, but that's another subject. But if you start something and it's something that the reader gets invested in and they want to see what happens with it, um, you just, you better finish it. And, um, yeah. and it's very noticeable when you don't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that, um, takes me to sort of the first thing that I wanted to talk about, which was how this works sort of in marketing and fiction and how that, that sort of ties together. And I think about this simply as the concept of story loops. This is one of the things that uh, Donald Miller mentions in his book, Story Brand, which is probably the definitive modern work, I would say, on uh, the idea of story in, in business. And um, what he talks about is this, this concept of a story loop where you're opening up a, you know, you're intriguing your customer um, by pointing out some flaw in their current thinking or by opening up sort of like, you know, un uncovering, uh, uncovering yeah. a, uh, a rock and, and peering into there or, um, or, or giving them sort of a vision of what their future could look like. It's quite disconnected from their current reality. And if you invite them into a open story loop and you open that for them, uh, your brand then has the opportunity to give them resolution because that's going to intrigue them and make them want to learn more. So, you know, what's an example of this? Well, like in my business, for example, um, one of the big things that we do is focus on communication. Why do we do this? Well, number one, it's just a good idea to be in good communication with the people who are paying you money. That tends to lead to more work and, and more business. So it's a good thing to do for that simple reason and the right thing to do. But in our industry, it's even a, a bigger deal because one of the biggest problems in the web design industry is the problem of ghosting. I can't tell you how many clients I talk to where the reason they found us or the reason they were even looking for somebody is because the last person they were working with ghosted them. They can't get a hold of them. They can't email, phone, social media. It's like they fell off the face of the planet. And so, you know, in our business, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to say like exactly the way we put yeah. this because we put it different ways in different way, you know, different places. But basically, the our one version of opening a story loop around those things could be like. So you know how that last web designer that you worked with, you needed to make a change on your site and you couldn't get a hold of them? You know, that sort of thing, right? So stop there, right? Like that sort of thing opens intrigue in the mind of the customer who's been through that scenario. And then you could use the marketing on your site uh, to go further with that and help them to understand that those things are broken and that we can fix them. So that's a good example of how to make this sort of thing work in marketing and fiction. And if you don't ever resolve that, well, you're not ever giving the customer a reason to actually do business with you. That's an interesting uh, tie-in um, on the marketing side. I, th I think that's really good. Um, especially when dealing with, with customers directly like you are, where you need to complete that cycle and you have to have, and for you, I guess it never technically gets completed if you're always in contact with them. But that kind of completes those little arcs, you know, one little bit at a time and brings well, the customer less, satisfaction along the way. Yeah, I will say, though, it's less about like 
it's less about that ongoing communication. That was just an example, but I'm talking about just in like the marketing. So if you're mar- like the, where it ends, where the loop ends is when they do business with you, right? Mm-hmm. In this context, okay, gotcha. when yep. they, when yeah. they, when they engage you for business, you will have sort of successfully overcome any objections that they have, close the story loop in their mind, help them to understand how what you do could transform their current reality into the future self that they want to be or the future business they want to have. That makes um, sense. Now, you still have to deliver on that as a service provider or else they'll leave. Um, but convincing them, if you will, only goes so far as as soon as they sign the contract, so to speak, that work is done. So. Then, and then you have to, like with anything else, it's like, you know, you have to win their business over and over again in, in a certain sense. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely that first sort of interaction with you. By the same token too, it could apply to anything, but just looking at writing where, um, in order for word of mouth to spread about you or to actually like present a good story, um, even if your story is not anything super unique or original, if it just kind of follows the generic formula, if you can have a beginning of a story, tell it, and then close it out, um, that goes all, that's a huge step into going the right direction. Even if your story is mediocre, maybe good at best, if you can just tell a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and can deliver you know, on those promises and every, and everyone can close the book and say, well, that was a, a good finish to that person's story. That's a huge way to just, you know, actually get people talking about the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, so um, you have some additional thoughts on, on fiction. Um, yeah. So the last thing that I was just going to say about fiction, um, just to really stress on the point on to determine which characters are important. Obviously, you don't need every Tom, Dick, and Harry to have their own storyline. If you introduce Will, the stable boy, taking care of your horse, three books later in the series, you don't have to come back to Will and say, here's how we lived out the remaining of his life. That's a little, I can get a little <laughs> bit tedious, especially for some of these sure, books. Yeah. But um, characters that matter, though, where the readers are invested in, in who they are, and especially their relationship to the main character. Those characters are the heroes in their own story. And we've kind of talked about this on prior podcasts, but they're their own hero in their own story. And when the reader has a vested interest in their storyline, as much as those characters themselves are, they need to have a full story or at least a full um, ending written for them for the story arc that you've started with them. Um, so I guess that's just kind of tying the, the knot on it there is say it. Yeah. That's not just a suggestion. Like, no, if you actually start a storyline with the side character, or a character that's interesting to the reader, you need to finish it, or else your your readers are going to be bummed out. Do you ever think there's a place? I'm putting you on the spot. Do you ever think there's a place for intentionally leaving something up for interpretation? Yes. Um, I was saying about this thing. I'm actually glad you brought it up because I forgot to put it in here. Um, have you ever seen Inception? I have, but I don't. It, I only saw it once. I don't remember very specific details, but okay. yes, I've seen it. Well, I've listened to the soundtrack a thousand times. But. So uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't um, watched it, skip ahead maybe a couple minutes or so, but um, spoilers here. So um, you, everyone, I forget what they call it. It's been a while, but everyone has like their own specific like item um, that they know only them. It could be like a way to die or something like that um, to know whether like you're, you're dreaming where you're in the dream world or the real world. And at the end of the movie, um, 
forget the main character's name, but he has a spinning top that he spins. And if it's the real world, it, it always topples. But if it's in the dream, it keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Well, the ending is he spins it and he sees his two kids that he's reunited with. And then the movie ends showing the top still spinning. So you're left wondering, does it fall or does it not? Is he in the real world? And so that has its place because that works perfectly there. And I, I would say this. I would say that I might have to think about this to make it a hardcore rule. But I would say that it's okay to leave things open-ended when when it's more exciting or the character or, or the the reader or watcher can come up with or determine their their final conclusion to the story and still have it be satisfying like i have my own opinion of how it ended and i'm satisfied with it but if you just start a story and then don't address anything with it and the people are left wondering and you're left wondering completely well does he even talk to that person again like it so there's a time and place for it. And I it, you probably have to take it by a case-by-case example. I don't think you can just take a broad a brush and broadly stroke it and say, yeah, every single time in this instance, you need a yeah. conclusion. Every time in this instance, you don't. But um, that was an instance where I think it worked perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, I think this sort of thing is going on uh, in, in the Bible. In John 7, uh, 3 through 9, I want to actually read this a little bit here to you because it's, it's, it's a fascinating incident came to mind immediately when I think about this story. I mean, I cannot write off. I cannot, I, I can't think of a story that has more open-ended that scholars have gone back and forth on and speculated on. So I'm just going to read it. It says this, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, talking to Jesus, of course, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. Uh, that's the end of it. And I, I, I love when he gets to the part that's like, they left one by one, starting with the older man. And so the speculation of what is in this story is just, it's, it's, it's just from one end to the other. I, I think probably the most common one that you see is the idea that he was writing their sins in the ground um that's sort of the the that's probably um, the most believable that's a pretty pretty good yeah good question that i just thought of do you think that any of the disciples knew what he wrote if they were yeah i mean i I have to read more of that scene if they were with them about that yeah if they were with them i would think so because you would think Um, if they did then yeah because you would think whatever this would be yeah it it leads to so many we could have a whole podcast about the possibility yeah could be but now I will say this is actually an interesting story for another reason. That is this. So most scholars, so the scholarly consensus on this passage of scripture right now, and this might be mind-blowing for some, but just is what it is, um, is actually that this is an authentic story. It is a Jesus story. Everybody believes this, or at least the scholarly consensus, again, 
is it is, is an authentic story, but that it does not necessarily belong in the Bible. So because of, again, the uh, studies and you know, manuscript studies, the same manuscript studies that give us the utmost confidence in what we have in the Bible sometimes uh, show us things that we're left with some reason to doubt that they should be in there. And this is one of those passages. There's very few passages like this, but this is one of them where we're like, yeah, there's, it's not really clear that this was in the original manuscripts because it seems to only be showing up in, in very few and much later manuscript copies uh, that we have. Um, nevertheless, because of the linguistic elements and the way the story is told, the, um, the bits that are in the story, it just feels, I don't know another way to say it, it just feels very Jesus, right? It feels, it feels Jesus. It's very consistent with the things that Jesus said and did. And so most believe that the story is accurate and authentic, but not original to the uh, manuscript that was written by John. So I've heard of that before. But, yeah. But, but nevertheless, it, yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, there's no resolution to this story. All we know is, is that Jesus eventually told the woman that she was forgiven and that she should go and sin no more. Uh, but yeah, pres presumably he was um, answering in by writing whatever he wrote on the ground. He was answering them uh, according to uh, their sin in much the same way that he answered Pharisees in other contexts. So, and we know Jesus was literate. So, say what? We know this confirms that Jesus was literate too. You know, he could read and write. So there's, <laughs> yeah. so there's, there's a, there's a conclusion that you can. It is a, it is a. I'm think a necessary characteristic of the God of the universe if, to be you know, able to read if it we, right. If we didn't have that, we might not. We might not. This is true. This is true. <laughs> well, is true. Um, <laughs> all right. Coming around to uh, my kind of aspect on thinking through the scriptures is just kind of a simple connection where, um, as humans, we we like to see conclusions. Whether it's a chore we're doing around the house, a project. If you're really motivated and you know you like to write or. Uh, maybe work music or we do game or whatever you like to see different steps be completed and it gives you a good um fulfilling uh feeling about yourself um and, and that connection can just be seen in the bible no not i mean there's so many characters in the bible um not all of them get their own you know finale although many do i, I think if you i mean if you really read the bible whether it's even just as simple this person died you know here or there a lot of people get a conclusion in the Bible. But aside from that, Bible definitely has an ending to the whole story. And so it's um, it's just interesting that it, Bible does it so well. It has a beginning. It tells a story yeah. of what's going to happen. It gives you a lot of promises. And then at the end, it fulfills those promises and it tells you how everything ends. Um, whether you believe in that or not, um, just kind of seeing how an ancient work of art, if that's all you think that it is, um, still followed that structure that, humans so much you know like you know just unknowingly want to see in their head um yeah so yeah just as as humans it's just natural where we want to see something completed and we want to feel satisfied with it so there's no reason why we should deviate from that whether it's in a marketing strategy um talking with customers uh, writing or delivering on certain promises this just should just be fundamental to what we do mm-hmm 
Yeah, I, I agree. And something I was thinking about, and we just don't have time in this episode to like really cover it, but I am going to mm-hmm. tease it because I'm going to, I'm going to try to talk, ta- talk Alex into, into deep diving on this specific point in a future episode. So, um, and that is that I think actually there are a lot of, uh, loops in the Bible that are closed, but most people don't think they are. Um, for example, the uh, Tower of Babel, right? Um, no, like everybody knows that story. So Genesis eleven, God scatters the nations, and that's it. I mean, he scatters the nations, and then he creates Israel, and then that's it. Well, there's actually a closed loop to that story in Acts chapter two, the event of Pentecost, but we don't really hear about it and we don't really think about it. And you have to sort of know about some of the stuff with the unseen realm and mm-hmm. the, you know, divine council worldview stuff to really understand that closed loop. And I, this is on the brain because I recorded a podcast today um, talking about uh, this, that there's actually three sort of loops that are opened up literally within the first 11 chapters of the Bible that are closed in the arrival of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. Um, and it's super like way cool stuff. Um, and, but most Christians don't really think that like about as close to that as, as, as we would typically get is, well, Genesis three, um, you know, Eve and Adam are judged, cursed, et cetera. Um, you know, she is told that a serpent is going to come and bruise the heel of her sons. Um, but that eventually, um, her, her, somebody in one of her descendants basically um, was going to bruise the head of the serpent. And um, it's something that again, like we, we see this because Paul creates the explicit uh, connection in Romans chapter five, verse 12. And then in first Corinthians 15 and talks about Jesus as the second Adam. And so that story is resolved. Um, that's the, the clearest example of, of sort of an open story loop with a resolution thousands of years later in scripture, but it's doing this kind of thing all the time in yeah. many different ways that are not always obvious. So I'd love to, I'd love to deep dive on that one, one day. That'd be I know cool. we will. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into some, uh, I think some serious deep dives into some biblical stories here at some point in themes. And, uh, I think this is going to be really fun. Um, the topic that both you and I like to explore. Um, 100%. Well, good. So shall we uh, move on to the story of the week then? Let's do it, man. Stories of the week. I feel like we need like a bumper right here, like a little, you know, since there's a little cool thing to, to get us into the <laughs> story of the week. We have our own little things that we play and, and just yeah. like, every time. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do it. All right, go I'll, first. Go, I'll go quickly with mine. Um, I, I, I kind of like to do a recommendation than the story of the week. So my recommendation, just uh, not a new band, but new for me, um, a band called Dayseeker. And um, really cool stories that they tell in their songs. Um, every song that I've heard so far really has a good, you know, story in deep of it. And their specific genre is post-hardcore punk. So it's like punk, but got a little bit more softer stuff and a little bit more. Um, they can do a little more with the melody. It's not just so hardcore punk. Um, so um, really nice, clean vocals, but it also gets a little bit dirty sometimes. And, uh, anyway, they have a really good sound to them. Really, uh, highly recommend. Well, geez, you have to have an English degree just to understand their genre. Goodness gracious. There's so many different genres out there. And the reason why I know that's because I read it on Wikipedia. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, anyway, and then, so my story of the week though, um, 
lot of people probably know about it. I, I don't know if you've heard about it, but you're about. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, Damar Hamlin at the Buffalo game, just an interesting thing. I won't go through the whole details, but, um, professional football player basically just, you know, got hit a certain way, making a tackle, stood up and then went to cardiac arrest and fell on the floor. They had administer CPR and, um, what's the, uh, what's the thing that they gave us the AED? I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so anyway, they, I think it's the first time maybe in NFL history when they stopped the game and it was like canceled. And so players went home, yeah. fans are home. And just with how the schedule is, I don't think they're ever going to finish the game. But um, yeah, it, it was just cool though seeing um, um, a lot of, you know, just kind of people background it and the fans were really good about it. But um, it seems like uh, he's doing really well. But I just thought I'd bring it up just kind of a crazy situation that you just, you just don't see. Yeah. No, it's one of those moments too where you see like, Lots of people from very diverse backgrounds sort of come together and, um, you know, yeah. it was, you know, there was questions about how well it was handled by NFL leadership. Um, I, I think it was handled. Football. Yeah, yeah, I think it was handled. I thought it was handled okay. well. Um, apparently the, um, like top down, right? Like the commissioner, right. Roger Goodell or whatever, like people were complaining because he didn't step in sooner and say like, apparently it was the coaches who were kind of like, yeah, like we're not playing this game sort of thing. Um, you know what? I think it took like an hour for the decision to be made. The first half hour that was, he was on the field, you know, and everything was going on. So during that first half hour, you know, the first half hour could have ended and he could have been like, Hey, like I'm good. You know, they were just to me and going to the hospital, but he's good. And then they keep playing the game. So really it took them realistically a half hour to make a decision on it, which I think that's yeah. pretty quick. If you're with all the logistics and everything and the people involved and the coaches going to the locker room and, they have to convene. I mean, I guess, yeah, it could have been quicker, but I mean, you know, what yeah. else are you going to do with a massive thing? Yeah, like that, so. I think, I mean, just watching from afar, I mean, everything, yeah. it seemed relatively appropriate to me yeah. how everything went, so. All right, so yeah. yeah, cool. So I have two also. So for me is, uh, first of all, is the Readwise Reader. So I'm a huge fan of Readwise. Readwise is a service that allows me to resurface and review on a regular basis my Kindle highlights. So I do most of my reading on Kindle, um, and I'm a voracious highlighter, and I like to be able to go back and review those highlights so I don't forget what I'm learning in the books that I'm reading. And you, what's so cool is you can, anyway, you can fine-tune things and whatever. Well, I've talked about Readwise before, but they just came out with a new product. They're going to, it's in beta right now, I think it's public beta, so anybody can sign up for it, I think. Uh, so if you just go to read.readwise.com, I think is how you sort of get to that. And if you're familiar with Pocket or Instapaper or any one of those services, it's like that. It's basically a read it later type of application. But in my opinion, having used a few of these now and never really being able to make one stick, in my opinion, this is as good as it gets. It is a phenomenal tool for reading articles later online, for archiving them, for tagging them. They even have some AI integrations. You can create Q&A. You can ask the article a question. You can have it summarize the article for you. Um, again, all of your tags and your organization. Of course, what's cool about it is um, it all feeds back into Readwise. So of course, you can highlight there. You can even highlight directly in the browser when you activate the extension if you want to. So you kind of keep that experience. And then everything goes into your Readwise so that when you're doing your daily highlight review, um, occasionally your article highlights will show up there as well. So it's a really cool way. And of course, uh, my favorite thing about it is it brings in your RSS feed. So if you have blogs that you'd like to follow, 
um, for specific topics or whatever. Uh, all of those can just come right into there, and then you can add them to your archive and stuff. So it really makes, um, um, you know, being able to keep up with information that's written information across the internet, uh, it makes that really seamless and, and really easy. So anyway, Readwise Reader, highly recommend you check it out, especially while it's still free. I mean, I would pay, I'd pay good money for it because it's a, it's a really good product and it's free right now. So I mean, this is the product that out. Steve has gone on the most about. I know that you love this product. Like it's, it's in a it's way it's your baby, but being your baby. <laughs> it's fantastic. When I, when I first found it, I was like, oh, this, this is cool. And, and if you look on YouTube and stuff, there's lots of people who talk about, it. I mean, Readwise is a central piece of the tool for, um, um, what people call their PKM systems or personal yeah. knowledge management systems. So if you're into PKM stuff at all, um, you're going to see people talking about this. I, I don't use any of the, like any of the like big well-known PKM apps like like Notion, right? Notion is one, for example, and, and that most people are going to know. And Rewise has fantastic integration with that where um, it just can sync your highlights directly in and keep them all nice and organized. I do that same thing, but I do it manually with Markdown because I use an app called Bayer for my uh, personal knowledge management. And just because it's a really nice, elegant Mac app. And so it's a little bit longer of a process for me to get all my highlights and stuff uh, out of Readwise and into into Bear, um, but it's worth it. it. I mean, when I say longer, I mean it's like literally three to five minutes, if that, a week yeah. that it takes me to do instead of automatic syncing. So gotcha. it's really not the end of the world. Cool. Um, but cool thing. And then the other one was just uh, uh, Dana White. So Dana White's in the news. Me and Alex are obviously huge uh, UFC fans, um, and so Dana White. Uh, essentially a video surfaced of him and his wife having a physical alter altercation on New Year's Eve. Lots of alcohol involved. I think they were in Mexico. It might have been Cabo. Um, I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, they were in Mexico. And um, it was uh, not a good situation. Not a good look. Uh, that is for sure. Um, there is, as Dana White has said himself, very publicly and very openly, there is literally no excuse for hitting a woman ever. It should not happen like full stop bar none no excuses needed it doesn't matter that she slapped him first whatever um you know they've been married for 30 years they've known each other since they were 12 they have like three or four kids together so um what's interesting about this and then i'll, I'll just say this and i'll let you come in here alex is um what's interesting is a lot of the like uh what, what do you want to say professional commentators newscasters things like that are treating it in a sense lighter than Dana is. So that it's kind of like they throw him softballs. Yeah. And then Dana comes back and says, no, like there's no excuse for this. He's like, legit. I have said, and I meant what I said, like myself years ago, that there's no excuse. You don't bounce back from hitting a woman. And he's like, and here I am talking about it. You know, it's like, yeah. you know? And so, um, so people are, I think more impressed with how Dana is handling it and, and less impressed with how, you know, ESPN and other organizations are handling it. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how much flack is he supposed to get? I, I mean, it, it's horrible. And then, so then what do you do with that? Do you, are you staying mad at him? You're just talking about the general public and your perspective of mm -hmm. a figure and, you know, mm -hmm. a, you know, a public figure. Do you just stay mad at him until the grave or, I, or do you recognize that he's come out and, you know, apologize for it? And it's just, 
you know, you have a lot of people that are kind of, you know, like, oh, it's not a big deal. Then you have people who say that he's a horrible person and he will always yeah. be horrible. It doesn't matter what he says. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where it's it sucks just to say, well, you know, it was a mistake and he apologized for it because it's obviously it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's kind of more than a just a mistake. But at the end of the day, yeah. like it is something he did wrong and he recognizes it. Um, but at the very least, just him coming out and saying that, you know, he didn't try to like explain why he did it or what yeah, was going no on. Tease, yeah. So I will say one thing to end on a um, a uh, comedy note. Um, have you ever heard Bill Burr's bit about, um, about uh, slapping a woman or hitting a woman? No. He said, people say all the time that there's no excuse for hitting a woman. He said, there's plenty of excuses. He said... He said, women give you plenty of excuses to hit them, but you're yeah. just still not supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really so good. That was pretty good. That's funny. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it's, you know, here's the thing, right? Um, people are like, people talk out of both sides of their mouth all the time. And it's like, if there has to be, there has to be a right way to handle a situation like this or else, or else you just are promoting cancel culture. Right. That's what yeah. cancel culture is. Cancel culture is when there is no right way to handle a situation because no matter what you do, it's worthy of being canceled. Okay. Yeah. Um, in the case, you can tell when people issue public apologies, there is a clear difference between a authentic public yeah, apology absolutely. and a saving face public apology. I don't think anybody can with a straight face say that Dana's was a saving face public apology. I mean, I really think he's owning up to it. I really, I legit do. And I'm not, I don't have any reason to like defend Dana. I mean, I love the UFC, but like who cares about, you know, he's just a, he's just a guy. I, all I'm saying is, it's like, this is just about as genuine to me as a public apology can get. And so if we're, if we're not going to accept that, then let's stop pretending like we will accept it. Right. And that's what yeah. I'm, you know, let's, anyway, all right, I'm going to hustle. On that point, that's it. I agree. All right, good finish. Done. Done. We, done. And that is a completed pot. Is there any loose ends that we didn't tie out? It would be a shame if oh. we didn't close out anything when the podcast mm. specifically is about. Oh no! Yeah, no. I think I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. No cliffhangers here. I think we're good. Oh man, if we would have planned it better, we could have just cut it off right there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah. we should say a farewell though. We should. We should. Thank you guys for listening. It's uh, always a pleasure. Super excited for this year. And uh, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, hide your kids, hide your wife, all that stuff. Yeah, hide your kids. Don't hide them. Don't hide them from this podcast. <laughs> no, just hide them from Dana White. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. See ya.